Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. All right. Well, happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there and all of those that are tuning in online. I'm so glad that you are joining us today. You know, Mother's Day is actually one of my favorite days of the year, and not just because my husband and my kids are extra sweet to me today, which I do appreciate, but because I actually had my son on Mother's Day 20 years ago. And I know, so sweet, right? So uh, actually, have you ever been there or heard that saying, been there, done that, got the t-shirt? Well, I actually got the t-shirt, Dia de las Madres. And um, my husband and my parents and his parents, they were all in town and my husband was a pastor and so preachers gotta preach, so it was a Sunday, Mother's Day, and they all went to church and then they went to Abuelo's afterwards and they were selling these t-shirts and they thought that I needed it. Be a good, good last minute Mother's Day gift. And um, anyway, they didn't know that when they ga- came home just a few hours later, I would actually go into labor and have my son three weeks early on Mother's Day. So that was a lot of fun. Um, I've gotten a lot of sweet gifts since then, but nothing as sweet as my son was and still is to me. So it's just kind of a precious day to me. And um, now I will say that besides my relationship with Jesus, that being a wife to my husband, Jeff, and a mom to my kids has been the greatest blessing of my life. Um, Doesn't mean it's been challenge-free or without its problems, but it's my life and I'm just super grateful for it. So, but there's a story that I love to tell every year and it's just because I think it's the cutest. And it's about this little boy who was in a preschool program at church and he had one line that he had to say, but he just, he was really nervous about it and his mom knew, so she was sitting on the front row. And so when it came to his line, he just froze. He couldn't remember his line. And so she was trying to mouth the words to him, but he couldn't really see her. And so she could tell like, ah, he just wasn't getting it. So she said, I am the light of the world. And he kind of leaned in and looked at her like, say it again. And she said, I am the light of the world. And he was like, ah, I got it. And he smiled real big and he said, my mom is the light of the world. Isn't that the sweetest? But it's true, you are a bright light to your kids. And you know, especially right now, this has been such a challenging year. I mean, literally, this has been a year for the books. I mean, it will go down in the history books. Like, we're living history. I mean, who knew, you know, if you would have told us a few years ago that we would be living in a worldwide pandemic. You'd have been like, what? What is that? Now we're all too well acquainted with that. Um, Political upheaval and racial injustice and unrest and just a, a culture that's actually moving away from God at such a rapid rate right now. The cultures and the, um, the value, it's just, it's, it's crazy. And it's been challenging. And I wish there was some kind of guide that was like how to parent during, you know, a pandemic or, you know, unprecedented times, which I'm really getting tired of that phrase, by the way. I'm like, I'm tired of this unprecedented stuff. Let's bring back some precedents, you know? 
Um, but there's, I don't think you can go to Barnes and Nobles and get any guide that tells us how to do things. And so it's been a challenging year. And there's been so much anxiety, so much fear, so much uncertainty. But the thing that I know is that when it looks the darkest, that's when we have the opportunity to shine the brightest because the light shines the brightest on the darkest background. So we have a moment in history as moms that we can rise up and shine bright. So I'm excited about that. So I'm gonna ask you, if you have your Bibles, to turn to Romans 12. I'm gonna put it up here on the screen for reference. You can also look it up on your phone. And Milestone has a great little app that you can also download to where you can look at the notes and the scriptures and have it all right there as well. But I have it up here in the NAS, but I just wanna read it to you in the message. So if you'll just listen along with me. And it says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life you're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. And listen to this. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God, and you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you, well-formed maturity. I love that the scripture does not say, take your extraordinary Instagram-worthy life and place it before God. He says, take your everyday, ordinary life and place it before God. Now. Maybe, maybe you're living a different life, but my life generally is not, every day is not generally Instagram worthy. I mean, there are days that I'm dressing up, going to meetings and different things like that, but there are many, many days that I am in yoga pants and sweatshirts, and not because I actually do yoga, <laughs> because I'm getting older and I really like stretchy pants. And it looks like a lot of getting my kids off to school, cleaning the house, paying the bills, running errands, cooking dinner, all the things that when your husband comes home and says, what you been doing all day? You're like, oh, nothing. Sitting around eating bonbons. Or maybe your everyday life is you are going to work. You're working overtime. You're trying to run home, make dinner, get your kids to dance, get them to basketball practice, help them with their homework and all of that. But the Bible says whatever your ordinary everyday life is, place it before him as an offering. And so I think that all sounds good, but then why don't we do that? And I think a lot of times we don't do that because we feel like, what do I have to actually give you, God? Like, what is my offering? Because we know that even though we're doing the things and we're working hard, sometimes we don't have the best attitude. Sometimes... We just, we blow it. Um, we, we're not feeling super grateful and we just, we lose our cool and we just kind of know ourselves and they're like, God, you really want us to place this, this ordinary everyday, the feelings that I have before you as an offering. And he says, yes, but we don't do it because we feel like there's somebody out there that has it all together, at least what that's what they portray. And how could God want what I have? But I want you to know today that God is not into perfection. He knows that there was only one person that was ever perfect, and it was his son, Jesus Christ. But he does want to grow us in him. So as he grows us, we make progress. And he is more into progress than perfection. So I'm gonna trust him to help me, because Lord knows we all need it. And we're gonna keep progressing in him. 
You know, there was uh, several years ago, many, many years ago, when I was in high school, my youth pastor asked me to come and talk to this church about a camp that we went to every year. And I had gone to this camp since I was like in sixth or seventh grade and um, all through high school. And so for some reason, I was chosen to be the spokesperson for this camp. And I don't know why, because he asked me and I literally was just mortified. I was so scared to speak in front of people. Uh, God's obviously working with me on that. Um, But I was just so scared. So I thought, well, I'll go out and I'll buy a cute little dress and I'll get up there. And so I worked on it real hard and I got up there and I was feeling kind of cute and I talked about this camp and I was kind of proud of myself. And I went to walk off stage and I could feel all of a sudden one of my friends right behind me and she said oh girl you have a hole in the back of your dress like on your backside basically I was showing my honey to the whole world anybody ever feel like that like you're trying to walk around living your Romans 12 life next thing you know you're out there and you rip your britches and you feel like you've blown it (laughs) well I want to show you today what it looks like to live a life that honors God, even when you rip your britches, even when you don't feel qualified. And I wanna talk to you about what this Romans 12 life looks like for moms, just normal moms, not super moms, moms like me and moms like you. And I wanna talk to you about a woman named Deborah in the Bible. Now, Deborah was in the Old Testament and she was uh, in the time of judges. She was the only woman judge and actually the only judge that judged, interestingly enough, And Deborah had been living in a time where Israel had been under an oppressive foreign king for 20 years. And this king was so mean and so evil that they weren't even allowed to make weapons, have weapons, everybody was scared. Kids were not playing in the streets. Business was not going on as usual. And it was just an environment of just fear and, and turmoil. And Deborah would sit every day under a tree and she would settle disputes among the people of the town. And the Bible says not only was she a judge, she was also a prophetess. And one day God just dropped in her heart a strategy to defeat this evil king and his army. And so Deborah called the general of the Israel army, Barak, and said, hey, God has given me a strategy on how we are gonna go in and have victory over the enemy army and that God is gonna restore to us our joy, our security and all of those things. And Barak said, okay, I believe you, but I'm not going unless you go with me. So she's like, okay, I'll go with you. So they go in and to fight this enemy army. And remember, they don't even have weapons. But a long story short, God causes confusion on the enemy army. They take their weapons and defeat them. And it says that God doubled back to them 40 years of peace. So they lived for 20 years under oppression and fear, but God doubled back to them 40 years of peace because Deborah decided everything's kind of been dying around me and I'm not gonna put up with it anymore. And she took God's strategy. She told Barak, she didn't compete with Barak, but she complimented him and they went together and honestly saved saved the nation. And Deborah says this in Judges 5, verse seven. She said, village life had ceased. It had ceased in Israel until I, Deborah, arose, arose as a mother in Israel. Now, the funny thing is we love titles because titles make us feel important. But Deborah could have said she was several things. She could have said of herself, I arose as a warrior because she was. She actually fought in the, in the, fight, she was in there with Barak right by his side. So she could have said, I arose as a warrior and I conquered. She could have said, I arose as a judge because she was a judge. She could have said, I arose as a prophetess 
because God had spoke to her this whole plan, but she didn't. She didn't. She arose as a mother with a mama's heart and saw things through a mama's lens and said, everything's been dying around me, but I'm not gonna put up with it anymore. I'm gonna arise as a mom. Um, and the funny thing is, we don't know if she was actually a physical mother. The Bible doesn't say anywhere in that whole chapter that she actually had physical kids. And personally, as a mom, I'm thinking, if you got time to sit around under a tree all day and settle everybody else's disputes, you know, like, where are your kids at? <laughs> I had enough disputes to worry about, you know? But I love this because the fact that it didn't say that she was actually a physical mom gives us an opportunity in every season, in every area of life. You may not even be a physical mom here, but the Bible says that we can rise up with a mama's heart, see things through a mama's lens, see things that have been kind of just dead around us come back to life. And so I love that. But what do you think maybe keeps us sometimes from doing that? Again, I think sometimes it's because um, we just feel like we, we've blown it and, and so, you know, what God do you want me to actually put in front of you? Sometimes I think we just get busy. I think we just let life um, kind of overtake us and we just don't even look up and to really see what's going around, on around us and we just get busy with things and so, um, I think we just let good rob us of best. But I wanna talk today about how we actually can live this Romans 12 passage in our everyday, ordinary life. Um, and I just, as I've been thinking about this and praying about it all week, I've just been praying for you. Because I know that we do have challenges. Some of us have um, just extraordinary circumstances that make it hard for us. And being a mom is, is challenging. It's challenging in this time, not only in this time that we live in, but in this, even this time in history, we face things that maybe moms didn't face in the past. And I've just been praying for you that you would understand the calling that God has given you and that he's given you everything you need to accomplish it and that you would understand your purpose and that you would really rise up in it. But I want you to really get these points today. The first thing is for you to recognize that God sees motherhood as a high calling. I mean, mom influenced things throughout the entire Bible. They created a culture of value. They influenced the God story. And God puts a high value on the contribution of a mom. I mean, how many of us were prayed into the kingdom by our mamas and our grandmas? And we're so thankful. But there's a whole pattern in the Bible. The funny thing is we hear these characters in the Bible and we know them, but sometimes we don't even know the person that actually raised them to be who they were, right? Like we know, we hear Moses and most people would say, oh, I know, I might not even know what Moses did, but I know there's a Moses, right? Moses. But does anybody know who Jochebed is? His mama. Jochebed was his mama that when Pharaoh issued an edict to kill all of the young boys in that whole land, God gave her a strategy. She was listening to God and he gave her a strategy to save her son and he put him, she put him in the little brush reeds in the little basket and that princess drew him out of the water and God used him to deliver a nation. Jochebed, or what about Hannah and Samuel? Hannah was actually infertile. She was barren for years and she prayed out to God. She wanted a child so bad and she prayed out to God and just said, Lord, if you would just give me a child, I would dedicate him back to your, your service for the rest of his life. 
And God answered her prayer and she became pregnant and she had Samuel and once she weaned him, she took him to the temple and she dedicated him to the Lord. And Samuel became a prophet and did great things for God. Well, think about Mary and Jesus. Now this just, I want you to think about this for a moment. Just, God could have created Jesus without a mama. He did it for Adam. I mean, he just created Adam and kind of put him on the scene. He could have just created Jesus full grown and just kind of inserted him into the culture and into the environment. But God thought it was so important that Jesus come through a mother, be nurtured and raised by a mama. I think he thinks our contribution is so valuable. He wanted his own son to be raised by a mother. And interestingly enough, do you know what one of the last things Jesus said when he was on the cross? Take care of my mama. Jesus loved his mama. And then there's Timothy, and it says, Timothy, I've heard of your grandmother and her faith and the way she loved God, and I've heard of your mom and how she loved God, and now here you are loving God. It's generational. When we decide to love God and raise our kids according to his word and step up into our calling as mamas, we hand it down from generation to generation to generation, which is so important. You know, again, we think titles are important, and there's a lot of things in our culture right now that are new that are titles like influencer. That sounds important. But the goal in life is not to be important because important ends with you. When you pass away and die, then that's gone. Our goal is to leave significance. Live a life that was significant for God. The best thing you can influence is in the hidden places, in the hidden moments with your child at their bedside. And when you're talking in their heart and understanding not just going, what's going on with their schedule, but what's going on with their life and in their mind. And you nurture those things. That's the best influence you could ever have. And to leave a life that is significant and pass it on. So there's a power in your purpose, and I want you to know that today, that your job is valuable. And you say, well, Brandy, I don't know if I fit the stereotypical mom, you know, I'm not just staying at home all day wearing pearls, you know, like June Cleaver, maybe some of you are old enough to remember June Cleaver. Um, you know, I, that's, not, that's not the kind of mom I am, but God didn't say you had to be that mom. God uses all kinds of moms, all shapes and sizes. My mom was a working mom, she worked my entire life but she always had me in church on Sunday. She was always praying for me. She was always encouraging me in the Lord. And honestly, when I look back at my mom, I don't even think about, I have to think about it. And I was like, no, she did work my whole life. But I've, I knew how she made me feel when she was with me. And that's the best thing you can do. So don't think you're disqualified or you don't have what it takes because you're not. Maybe you're a single mom today. And you know what? Jeff and I have a passion for single moms. His grandmother was widowed. She was a single mom and raised her dad. And you know what? It's a hard job. But we also believe in you and what God has given you. He has given you everything you need for life and godliness. He will empower you and strengthen you and give you everything you need to raise your children in a godly manner. Maybe you feel like you're an empty nester today and you're like, I've already done that. I want you to continue to have that mama's heart. There's a lot of girls out there that need a good mama. And you can pour into them and see dead things come back to life. So I want you to understand who God has created you to be. Um, and so I want you to know that what you're doing is important and God values it. But number two, to lean into your difficulties. 
You know, there's purpose in your pain and your test can become your testimony. Paul says in Philippians 1.12, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And you say, well, what happened to Paul? Well, he was shipwrecked, he was imprisoned, he was beaten within an inch of his life, and he was stoned almost to death. And that's just a few of the things that he went through. But Paul's faith didn't change the what in his life, but it changed the why. You know, sometimes we look at our life and we don't understand things that happened, the what of what has gone on in our life. I don't understand what the purpose in this was and I don't understand what this happened for, but sometimes we don't understand all the time, at least right in the moment, but sometimes we can just open it up and say, God, I can see that there might be a why. See, Paul's why was to advance the gospel. Maybe God is doing something in you and taking you through something for a later time. I know when I was younger, because of different circumstances with my dad's job, in my 12 years of school, I went to eight different schools. And I was not a girl that loved change. I did not love moving into new environments and having to meet new people and put myself out there to be accepted or rejected or whatever. And you're just trying to, and so, and once you finally start making friends, it's time to move again. And that was very hard transition for me. And I never thought, oh yay, we get to move and I get to start over at a new school. It's just hard on a kid. But the most tears were this one transition into and out of the same town. And in this town, um, it's funny because it literally and probably the most tears of my childhood was this particular transition. But it was in this town that I actually met my husband. It was in that town when I was in fifth grade that our moms became best friends and prayer partners and stayed friends long after we had moved away. As a matter of fact, to such a degree that they got back together, got us back together, and here we are. But God also knew that that man that I was gonna marry was gonna be a pastor and he was gonna be a church planter. And in our first years of marriage, I was gonna have to move around a lot and be put in environments where I was gonna have to be okay to start meeting new people and get outside of myself and, and put myself out there. And so God doesn't always tell you the why in the moment because it was between fifth grade until I was like in my 20s before I understood what all of that was even about. But God uses the things that he takes us through to grow us because he knows that he's gonna use us in that area later on in life. It's the why. I know that I lost a baby in my second trimester and that was very hard. And there was a lot of grief that went along with that. And you're like, well, Brandy, I'm sure you're a pastor's wife. You just, it was spiritual and you know, God met you and it was all good. And you know, I mean, I'm a real person. And it was very hard. Grief is very hard. And I remember, you know, you know the Bible, but sometimes it's hard in the moment to understand the why. God had given me a dream about this child. He had actually given two of my kids a dream about this child. My four-year-old at the time cried her eyes out every night when I lost the child. I mean, it was hard and well-meaning, amazing, wonderful people would come up to me and they would say stuff like, well, God can use all things for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. And I'm like, yeah, I've read that. But you don't really feel it in the moment. But I was like, God, I don't wanna stay in this place. I don't wanna become bitter because of the what that has happened to me. And I always wanna stay tender towards you, so show me, like show me who you are, God, because this doesn't feel good. Grief stinks, loss hurts. 
and it affects a lot of people. And so I started really just pressing into God and he would show me the scriptures about consider it joy when you encounter trials of various kinds. And I'm like, uh, really? You think? Like, I'm not really seeing a lot joyful about this right now. And then I would read it in a different version and it would say consider an opportunity for great joy when you encounter trials of various kinds. And that scripture, you know, just he can work all things together for the good of those. And I'm like, God, I don't see it but I wanna be open to the fact that you do wanna do this. This is what your word says, so show me, reveal yourself to me. And he started speaking to me about how he was a redeemer. He's a redeemer of our broken places. He's a redeemer of our broken past. He's a redeemer of the things that, we've happened, that have happened to us that we don't understand. God is a redeemer. He makes all things new. And as he started speaking to me and as I started opening my ears and really listening and turning my heart towards him, God actually taught me more about joy in that year than any year in my entire life. We actually call our Christmas event Joy Now because I understand that women come together and we have come from broken places. We have had hurts and brokenness and pasts. And I want every woman to experience the joy that only God can give us. So your test becomes your testimony. I have an empathy for women that have had loss like some people might not have because I've experienced it. So I see a woman that's going through that. I have a different feeling in my heart. I just wanna go pray for her, encourage her and help her and say, it's okay to be sad, just don't stay there. God wants to do more. God's a redeemer. God loves you. So our test becomes our testimony. And then the third is I want you to discover where you're finding your identity. Now, a lot of us, the statistics say that we look in this little thing right here about eight times a day. I would say that's, I'm gonna fix my hair. I think that's a little low, personally. Now, it's not like we carry this thing around with us everywhere we go, but we have a handy little phone that's got a camera on it, so we can just look and make sure everything's good all day long. But I would wonder that when you look in this, what you see. My husband jokes around, he's like, a guy looks in the mirror, he's like, yeah, I look good. Girls don't generally say that because we're not really, it's like, what are we measuring ourselves up against, really? A lot of times we're measuring up against our best friend or the girl down the street or the PTA mom that seems like she's just got it all together and just can do a million things at once. Or maybe it's that magazine that we see at the grocery store that tells us what we should be and how we should look and how we should dress. And we tend to buy into that lie, even though we know that all those beautiful people on the magazine are airbrushed. So basically the most perfect people they have to put on the magazine, they still airbrush them. Yet we buy into the lie that we're supposed to be like that. We see people on Instagram and we're like, oh, I should be like that. You know they put five filters on that before they even posted it. And we know that, yet we still measure ourselves up that way. And I want you to find your identity and your security in Christ, to take your cues from the one that made you and loves you and redeemed you. So I wanna know today what you're focusing on. Because your best friend, she's not your mirror. God didn't call you to be her. The girl down the street, she's not your mirror. The magazines, the social media, they're not your mirror. James says, and James 1.23, for if anyone listens to the word without obeying it, he is like a man who looks very carefully at his natural face in the mirror. For once he has looked at himself and he has gone away, he immediately forgets what he looks like. 
And my prayer for you today is that you never look into God's word and turn around and forget who you are. Because that's where we really find our identity. That's where we take our cues for who we're supposed to be and what the win actually is, is from God's word. So I want you to ask yourself today what you've given the power to define you or who. And get in God's word. And then we need to establish a pattern of replacing the lies that the enemy gives us with the truth of God's word. See, so many times we listen to all these little lies and you're like, what do you mean? It's these little voices in our head that tell us we're not good enough, we don't have what it takes, we're not pretty enough. Sometimes it's just the enemy that's just kind of putting that in our head. Sometimes it comes through voices that have been in our life, other people. But God wants to take those that are lies and replace them with his truth because what happens is when we listen to something like that, we start dwelling on it. And we dwell on it and we think about it and we start pondering at our heart and next thing you know, we believe it. And once we believe that lie about ourselves, we act on it. And whatever you've given the power to define you and whatever you believe is what, is, is, is how you, that's how your life goes basically. It, it's what you've given the power in your life. So what are some of the lies that we've believed as women? One is maybe all you're doing is just cleaning up, managing schedules, and driving kids around. And you said, Brandy, that's not a lie, that's the truth. <laughs> and maybe it is, but that's not all you're doing. That's not all you're doing. The, the truth is, these are signs of life, number one, and this is what you prayed for. When you were praying for this child, you probably thought it was gonna look a lot like cute little snuggles and rocking chairs, but it looks a lot like spilled sippy cups and going everywhere with formula or you know milk all over you every time you go somewhere and your house looking like a mess every time somebody drops by. And I remember at one point, instead of just being frustrated all the time that everything wasn't perfect, I just was like, signs of life. <laughs> we got life going on here. It's just signs of life. And this is what I prayed for. So I'm gonna take my focus from, oh my goodness, nothing's ever perfect to this is the life God's given me and I'm so grateful for it. He answered my prayers. And these little messes are the answer to my prayer and I love them so much. I'm gonna love them even more when they learn how to clean up after themselves. And the second lie is that you're missing out, that you can have it all and do it all. And you know what, that's a lie. It's a lie. You think somebody out there is having it all and doing it all, but I want you to know something always gives. Something always gives. You think somebody has it, but you're not seeing the full picture of their life. You can't have it all and do it all in the same season. The truth is God is not holding out on you. You have everything you need for today. You have everything you need for life and godliness. He has given you every blessing in heavenly places. And you've got what it takes. And he is with you and he is for you. That's the truth. The next lie is that you're not doing it right and you're gonna mess up your kids. Well, thank God for his grace, right? Because we know, especially if you have older kids and then younger kids and you're like, wow, I've learned so much. How did they make it? But as I grow, God gives grace for my children. And as I lean into him, I know that I may be weak in some areas, but it's his power that works in me and shines bright, even when I don't do it right. He's bigger than that. 
And the last one is if you had more control over your kids' experiences, you could give them the perfect life. Now, let's start with this. The perfect life is actually not the goal. I mean, I don't know if any of you in here lived the perfect life. I didn't. But I don't think it's a perfect life that actually forms the character that we need to succeed in life. I mean, I think it's the hard things that we go through, letting kids figure it out, making them work things out with their friends, work things out with their teachers, learn how to ask for forgiveness, be repentant, work on things in their heart. It's the growing that actually, and letting them do that, creates who you want them to be one day. A person that has an, you know, loves other people well, a person that has stick-to-itiveness, a person that has a little bit of grit, doesn't get easily offended or, you know, just, it's like God uses things in our life to grow us. So if we protect our kids from all of that, we're doing them a disservice. But the truth is, I have the power through the Holy Spirit to instruct and encourage my children without controlling everything they do. Now, I remember when my kids were little, they actually thought I had eyes in the back of my head. Partly because I told them I had eyes in the back of my head. They would be little and I would see them doing something out of the corner of my eye and I'd be like, hey, and they were like, how did you know that? And I was like, I have eyes in the back of my head. Moms see everything, I just want you to know that. Partly I might've seen them because they weren't that sneaky. Partly it could've been one of their siblings ratted them out, you know. But they just thought, gosh. But as they get older and um, you're just, you're not there all the time. Because you know, right now, if, you have, if you're a mom of little kids, you can kind of control their environment at some level. But one day they will get in a car and they will drive off. And even if you have that whole 360 life app thing or whatever, you're not, you're not with them as they walk into different environments. And they have to be able to hear the Holy Spirit and make good choices and all of those things. And so you have to rely on the Holy Spirit to show you things about your child. You know, when it was little, it was that you have eyes in the back of your head, but as they got older, it was like, Lord, show me. I would be on my knees in my room. Help me to know what's going on with my children's heart. Help me to know what's going on in their mind. Help me to know what's going on with their friends, Lord. And I would just pray that the Holy Spirit would just enlighten me. And he might tell me something like, ask them this or nudge them this way. And I would be like, well, that's weird. That seems totally out of place. But as I would press in with my child and ask them that question or nudge something in them, it's amazing how it was like, oh, how did you know that? I was like, oh, that, that worked. Wow, thank you, Lord. Um, it's amazing. Let the Holy Spirit show you those things because he will open up moments for you to where your kid, you have that, you Start the conversation and then God shows you and you have a moment to talk your kids through it. You're not controlling them, you're helping them as they grow and mature in the Lord. And God will show you those things. So just lean in to the Holy Spirit. Because again, we don't know everything, but his power is made perfect in our weakness. And our weakness actually only, you know, um, is there to remind us of how badly we need God. But... You know, my whole prayer for you today is that you would leave encouraged to know that you have what it takes. Um, I know that when my kids were little, talking about the lies of the enemy and feeling like we have what it takes to do it, I would walk them to school. But I had started getting a little bit of arthritis when I was like 19 and it started in my thumb, but as I got older and it got worse and it had gotten to where 
my hands. It's hard to straighten out my hands. And I couldn't walk very well. And I got to where I couldn't walk my kids to school anymore. And the enemy comes in and he lies to you. And he was like, you don't have a hope in a future. You're not gonna be there for your kids. You're not gonna be able to do it. And, um, and starts just putting these things in your heart and your mind. But you know, God saw my future. I mean, that I would be here talking to you today, that I would be planning my daughter's wedding. And when I was at a church meeting and they were having a prayer service and, um, and for healing, and I just, I raised my hand and God healed me in an instant. And I got prayed for and I was healed of my arthritis. And that's why I have such a heart for prepare. We do that at the beginning of every year. And I love praying for people, specifically with physical ailments, because I have gone through that. And I understand how it feels and, and how it feels to be healed. But... The enemy lies and tells us, you don't have a hope, you don't have a future, but don't let the devil lie to you. I want you to know today, God knows your future. He knows what you're gonna be doing two years down the road, 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road. God has a hope, a future for you, and he has a purpose for you. Never let the devil lie to you and steal that from you. And if you're a mom today, I just wanna pray for you. I want you to stand on your feet. If you're a mom, just stand up, stand up. There's a lot of gifts that you may get today, but the best gift that I can give you is just to pray over you, that you'll be encouraged and that you will rise up and walk in your calling and your purpose as a mama. So I want you to just bow your heads with me as we pray. My prayer for you today is that you would never look away from the mirror of God's word and forget who you are, that you are a beautiful chosen daughter created in the image of God, that you have everything you need from Him for life and godliness and to be a mama. I pray that you'll find your identity and who God says you are and lean into your difficulties, knowing that in His power, you, He can and will shine through your weaknesses. And I pray that you'll walk in your purpose with that mama's heart and that he will strengthen you in your inner being and help you to know that you are loved and accepted and honored by the King of Kings. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.